<clears throat> Thank you, Mike. And once we get there, then we can rest. Isn't that often how we kind of approach life? Let's just go, 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 go. We can rest later. Um, but anyway, as, they, as they, they had this discussion, half of the group decided they're going to take off. They're going to keep traveling seven days a week. They're not going to stop. The other group decided they're going to leave or they're going to stop every six days and, or the seventh day they're going to stop and they're going to rest. And so they did that. And at the end, can you guess which group got there first? The group that actually stopped, that only traveled six days a week, and they rested because their livestock were rested, their horses were rested, they were rested. <coughs> so, as you can see, I want to talk about Sabbath, and this is going to be a two-part, a two-part series, or series, I don't know, but this is something that I've been thinking a lot about the last oh, couple years, probably. I mean, there's different books I've been reading about, about Sabbath, about just slowing down, and I get frustrated sometimes because this idea of, of living, this thought of living a, a Christian life that is just slowed down, a slow pace, how in the world do you do that? We live in such a fast-paced society, and the fast-paced life that we live in, it affects us physically, it affects us emotionally, but it also affects us spiritually. Corey ten Boom, I think it was, said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. So think about that. He'll make you busy. Dallas Willard says the, great, the hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. But the interesting thing is, is if you're anything like me, you think you can handle it. I'm doing okay with it. I can, I can take it, right? It's, I mean, others maybe not, but I can take this fast-paced life. It's not affecting me um, because we have to keep going. Stop and listen sometimes when you run into people throughout the week, when you run into someone somewhere and you ask them how they're doing, what's the typical response? I'm desperately trying to get myself to stop saying I'm busy. But that's often the response that you hear. Doing good, busy. And there's something in that that we equate our value as a person with being busy. The average hours of sleep that Americans get today is 6.8 hours. So I think of seven hours of sleep... I wonder what you guys think. Like, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a decent amount of sleep. Um, I think it was Elon Musk, I just heard him say he gets six hours of sleep a night. To him, that's six hours, that's it, and then it's time to get up and be productive. Interestingly, 6.8 hours, so that's the average now. <clears throat> now, you can fact, you might, I didn't fact check this, but I read this. Um, and I, 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 probably, I believe that it's probably pretty accurate. Before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, the average person slept 11 hours a night. That's like bonkers. What's the first thing? So if, if I would get up here, I got up here this morning and I told you that I slept 11 hours every night last week. What's the first thing that you would think? Wouldn't you think, that guy's lazy. Unreal. Get up and get to work. Get something done. But 11 hours of sleep a night. 
See, my point is this. In this fast-paced, busy, accomplished things, be productive lifestyle that we live, that it has become so deeply ingrained into us that the idea of slowing down is seen as a negative thing. We use, we use the term slow almost always, almost exclusively in a negative sense. Think about it sometimes when you, when you hear or talk or hear someone talk and you, um, the word slow comes into the conversation. How often is it in a positive connotation versus a negative connotation? And so we live our lives, I call it redlined. Remember back when we had little stick shift cars, put it in first gear and second gear, you'd go through the gears, but you'd take it all the way up to redline, get the max out of that gear before you'd shift it into the next gear. That's kind of how we live life. We just, it's wide open, redlined, and at some point in time, if you just keep your car redlined, something's going to blow. And that's kind of too often how we live our lives. And so as I, as I think about this fast pace of life, and then I come to Scripture, and, and you read, read about this, and then this idea, ooh, that's small. I just now saw that's really small, sorry. Um, I guess you have to sit up to the front if you can't read it from back there. <coughs> I even really made my font a lot bigger than normal. Um, so that's something to remember for next time. But in Sabbath, God, in His goodness and in His kindness, has given us something to bring our lives, our busyness, to bring our, and our, our sense of worth, our sense of value, to bring it into a check. It's kind of like you do maintenance on your car. If you don't want your car to blow up or wheel to fall off, you do regular routine maintenance before something goes wrong. And maybe you could think of Sabbath as something like that. But I think what I want us to see or think about is that Sabbath is a gift that God gives us out of the goodness of his heart because he longs for the best for you and I. So go turn to Mark chapter 2. So if you're there already, um, that's great. But Mark chapter 2, actually first, let me just, you can see the definition of Sabbath. To repose, to dis- repose, so that's just relax, desist from exertion, so stop your work, cease, cause to cease, to stop, and the next one kind of gets your attention to delight, and then to rest. So three words that I want, to, want us to remember as we talk about Sabbath is to stop, to rest, and to delight. And it's a 24-hour period that God gives us where we stop, we rest, and we delight. So before we read our text, let me say this yet. Our purpose today is not not at all to create a list of rules about how you should keep Sabbath. The Pharisees did a phenomenal job of that, and, and we, we've, often, um, we've often equated Sabbath with, well, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do that. All right? <clears throat> so today we're not even going to talk about any of that. Today I simply want us to talk about why God gave us Sabbath and why Sabbath is something, why it's a gift for us to keep Interestingly, 
God had given some rules for Sabbath. One of those was to not work. Um, and, I, and I found this, I'd, I'd heard it on a podcast, and I found it online. There's a list of, of rules that go with Sabbath that the Orthodox actually hold to this day. Um, and it was like 39 points. I had gone to print it out, my, then my printer didn't work, but it was something like 15 pages of notes about how you keep the Sabbath. One of, so just an example of it is one of them was you cannot light a fire on the Sabbath because that's equated with work, so you can't strike a match. It means you can't start your car because if you start your car, what does your ignition do? Like it, it, you ignite the, in the internal, internal combustion engine. It ignites a fire, so that's work, so you can't do that. And on and on and on, and it makes you tired. It makes me tired. And what Jesus will be, is addressing here in Mark 2 is the Pharisees have made it into this thing that has become bondage, but they've completely missed the heart of the Sabbath. And so what I want us to do is I want us to see the heart that God has for the Sabbath. And I am grateful in our culture, in our setting here, for the most part, we take a day off of work. But next time, I want to look at Sabbath is as much more than a day off of work. So that's something to, to, for you to think about. What, what is actually, is it more than a day off of work? And I would suggest it is. But Mark chapter, 20, chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 27 and 28, and I'll also have it up here on the screen, I think. But it's probably too small for you to read. But anyway, here it is, Mark 2, 27 and 28. Then he told them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. So the setting here is that the disciples and Jesus were walking through a field of grain. They were hungry, so they picked a couple kernels off, and that's what, they were eating it, and the Pharisees they said, whoa, 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 that's work. You can't do that. But I think what Jesus comes back and he says that the Sabbath was made for man. God didn't come up with this idea of of let's have a Sabbath, now let's make man and let's fit him into the purpose or the mold of this Sabbath. No, he says he creates man and then he gives us Sabbath, a time of rest and reflection as a gift for us. So I think we are to see it as a gift and we, if we make it this whole long list of rules, then we have made it into something that becomes something of bondage and we completely miss the purpose of what the Sabbath, the Sabbath is. And so we don't want to fall into this side of making all these rules of exactly how you should practice Sabbath, and if you don't, you're not doing it right. Then on the flip side, and probably at our, in our larger culture here in America for sure, we just completely ignore it and think we can just keep buzzing seven days a week, and it's not going to have any impact on our lives. And so there's extremes both ways. So a number of years ago, um, I had a conversation with a guy, and we were talking about work and whatnot, and it was something in the conversation, he was getting up at some crazy hour the next morning to go on a run, do a trip, and he was talking about how, like, the hours the guy was working were bonkers, the guy was actually a pastor, and he made the comment at the end, and it I, for some reason, it just stuck into here. He made the comment, is like, I'll rest once I get to heaven. I was like, man, something's missing there, right? But look at yourself. Look at, look at me. If I look at my life, 
that is way too often how I live my life. It's just go, 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 go. And so today, we're not going to talk about the details of Sabbath, but that Sabbath is a gift, a good gift, that God needs it, or gives to us. So who, who needs a Sabbath? Do you need a Sabbath? When I say Sabbath, I'm talking stop, rest, and delight. Think of those three words, stop, rest, and delight. Who is it that needs a Sabbath? Here's a quote that I came across. A.J. Swoboda says, It is not as though we do not love God. And he's talking about our fast-paced life. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We don't know how to sit with God anymore. That's, maybe that's part of the reason God gives us a Sabbath, so we learn how to just sit with Him. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. And I think one of the principles of Sabbath, if we ignore Sabbath, it will affect us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So who is it that needs a Sabbath? Take a look at this. Read down through there. Which side of that do you fall on? That drives me crazy. It's really small. Where do you find yourself on that list? Restful or do you find yourself restless? I'll just give you a second to read, to look through those. If you're anything like me, Way too often I find myself on the restless side. Just being honest. Stressed, isolated, crowds. Or, I'm sorry, there's never a time. So there's a difference between, let me just say this, isolation and being alone. So, or solitude and being isolated. Isolated is when we just separate and remove ourselves from people. Solitude is when we are intentionally alone to be with God. Um, Are we in enjoyment or envy? Are we content or discontent? Are we present in the moment? Or are we just constantly distracted? So part of this, I I borrowed some of this, um, some of this here and some of these, I just, some things I jotted down. You may need a Sabbath if you whip out your phone at every red light or whenever you're standing in a line. You need to check your social media or play a game on your phone while you're watching a movie because the movie's not fast-paced enough anymore. How many of you, I, I, I want to ask you how many have been guilty. I've been guilty of that. You sit there and, you, well, it's, I mean, whatever, so you check things on your phone. You drive from here to Cleveland, but your mind is so preoccupied that you can't remember how you got there. Have you ever done that? You drive somewhere and all, you're there and you have no idea what happened between point A and point B because you're mind was just so zoned. It takes you 30 minutes to fall asleep because your brain can't shut down and rest. You find yourself feeling jealous or angry when you see another person enjoying life. You think rest is sitting in traffic. That's the extent of your rest. I put this one in because this is me. You constantly forget things. I've always been forgetful, but when I start, when I 
forget things on a regular basis, just routine things or things that I said I'm going to do. It's like, whoa, that's one of those cautions. Like, hey, something's, something's not right here. And then you have no time for solitude or reflection. So I ask you, are you in need of a Sabbath? So let's take a look at why the Sabbath is a gift. If you want to turn in your Bibles all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And I simply want to try to lay the foundation for why the Sabbath is actually a gift. Because in my mind, when, when, I, when I hear someone talk about Sabbath, it, it naturally or almost instantly gravitate to something about a list of rules and do's and don'ts. And that's not what God intended for us in our view of what Sabbath is. So Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1, and th- 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from the work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from his work that he had done in creation. That should actually really, really grab us. God rested from the work that he had done. Did God need to rest? Was he just whipped tired after creating all this stuff? Was he, was he literally tired? If he was, then is he, was he, is he actually God? One of the things that reminds us of our humanity is that we get tired. We have our limits. We can't do everything. It separates us from God and who he is. So let that idea that God rested soak in a little bit. And let me suggest to us this morning that God rested, and in doing so, he built a rhythm of work and rest into the very DNA of creation, which we are a part of. He set a pattern in place for us to follow, both practically in our, in our practical, physical lives, but also there's a spiritual connotation here. If you notice at the end of the seventh, like the seventh day, all the other days he ends with he was the evening, morning, first in the third day, third, fourth day, whatever. The seventh day, he doesn't say that. He doesn't end that. And I think it also is pointing us forward. New Testament talk about this, how the Sabbath is a reminder and it points us forward to our eternal rest in Jesus Christ that we have that's coming. Last, last week, Marcus talked about how creation groans um, for the redemption and how we're all looking forward to that eternal rest. So it's both a very practical thing in our weekly, daily lives, but it's also a very deep spiritual thing. But when God in, invites us to this, to this rest, to this Sabbath, <coughs> excuse me, it's an invitation for us to trust. Because when I stop what I'm doing, and I choose, I choose to stop and rest and delight, that means all this stuff that, that I'm carrying with me through the week, all this work that needs to be accomplished, all the stuff that's coming up ahead of me that I should be thinking and planning about, it means I lay that down and I trust God and says, you hold this. If I don't finish all my tasks, this world isn't going to end. If I don't get 
the living room swept today. The world's not going to end. It's okay. God says that's not where your worth, it's not where your value is found. So it's an invitation, like David talked about, to be still and know that I am God. So God wasn't tired. I think we can agree on that. So why did God rest? We'll take you back to the very definition of what the Sabbath is. And if you can see it there, I put in bold there underneath the, the word to delight. Because that kind of struck me when I, when I read that about what Sabbath is. So my suggestion, what I, would, what I believe it means and why God rested on the Sabbath day was not only to give us a pattern to follow, but it was also for him to delight in the very creation that he had just completed. And that means you and I. God stops and he delights in you and he delights in me. He takes, does all these things and then he stops and he says, this is good. And when he makes man, he says, it's very good. And he stops and he enjoys simply being with you and being with me. That's a profound thought if you stop and think about it, that God stops to enjoy you. Can we stop and enjoy God and allow Him to enjoy us for just a day, for just a minute? This whole thing is rooted in God and what He sets in place for us. Dan Allender says this about this idea of the Sabbath and delight. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives without question It is the best day of the week. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, fast, I'm sorry, we feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in all its fullness. In other words, we we become fully present with each other, with ourselves, with the world around us, with creation, fully present instead of being distracted. And then it says two things that I just want to just show you really quickly in these verses here in Genesis. It says he blessed the day. This is a third thing that it says that God blessed. And I saw that I was like, why would God bless this day? What does it mean that God blessed the Sabbath? Because he repeats that again in the Ten Commandments. And when he talks about the Sabbath, he says, this day has been blessed. The other two things that God blessed just before this was when the fifth day when God made the whole animal kingdom. He said, you are blessed, be fruitful and multiply. That was the blessing on it. And when God made humankind, when God made us, he said, you're blessed, be fruitful and multiply, and then care for the creation that I have have given you. So, both of those blessings are about bringing life into it. And I would suggest to us this morning that the Sabbath, God blessed the Sabbath because when we honor the Sabbath, when God gives it to us because it brings life back into us. We, it brings life back into us just as, um, let, let me find my notes here really quick. To stop and to rest and to delight in God is the most life-giving thing that we can do both spiritually and physically. So to stop and to rest is very, very life-giving for ourselves, but also for the others around us. 
Let me just give you one quick study that I came across. There's a group of, a group of, a group of people who were incredibly religious and literal about the Sabbath. They would stop and they would do nothing on the Sabbath. And it's in, the, in the studies that they, they discovered, this is in a group in America that they lived an average of 10 years longer than the average American. So I think there's, there's a physical connotation to this idea why God gives us the Sabbath as a gift to stop and to rest. It affects us physically and it affects us spiritually. We renew ourselves spiritually when we stop what we're doing. We rest and we delight in God. And we can talk more another time about how that actually looks in the practical ways in our lives. But then he says that God called it holy. This is something that God, the first, very first thing in all of Scripture that God said is holy. That means it's simply set apart from the other days as something special. So if the other days are a hot dogs, then the Sabbath should be a filet mignon. All right? So that's the, the idea of it being set apart as something special. <clears throat> so let me close just with one, one more scripture. This is found in Exodus chapter 20. And this is the, the thought that I want to leave with us about the Sabbath. And the next time we want to come back and I want to look at how the Sabbath is different than just a day off of work and how it actually brings us to a place where we work from our rest instead of resting from our work. It's a profound, profound difference in our lives if we learn, learn to do this. But in Exodus chapter 20, it's where God gives the Ten Commandments. And in verse 8, he gives the command about the Sabbath, and it's different than all the rest. He starts it differently, and it's... There's, the rabbis would actually say that the rest of the commandments actually hinge on this one. Is it or not? I don't know, but there is a difference. Notice how he starts. This is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He said, remember the Sabbath day. That's the only, only one of all the commands that he says, remember this. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord God made, the heaven, made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And what I want us to think about with, with this, this portion here. <clears throat> is where the context of it saying this is at Mount Sinai. The children of Israel have just come out of 430 years, odd years, of slavery in Egypt. So, as a slave, did they ever get a Sabbath or a break? No. They worked seven days a week, and here's the big thing. They worked seven days a week, and their value was strictly based on what they could produce. If you're a slave and you can only produce 20 bricks in a day, your value is pretty minimal. You're not worth a whole lot. If you can produce 200 bricks a day, you're much more valuable than you were. And so their whole identity becomes wrapped up in what they can produce, what their value becomes wrapped up in how much they can bring into life. So 430 years, think about that. That's generations. This becomes deeply ingrained in their DNA. This is 
it's got to. It's got to become a big part of who they are. I think it, it harkens back to how this fast-paced life that we live in becomes so deeply ingrained in who we are. We're thinking about the idea of sleeping 11 hours a day or taking 24 hours of rest and relaxation. We tend to think that can be lazy because this has become so deeply ingrained. And so God brings them out and he says, I'm gonna, you are going to be separate from the rest of the people and he gives them the Sabbath as a gift, just like he gives it to us as a gift and a reminder that your value and my value is not based on what I can produce. How productive you are in your life and in the next week does, has nothing to do with your value and how, God, how much God loves you. We know that here, but do we believe that here? So that's where I just want to leave us. We're going to leave us with that, and then we'll come back and I want to talk about some more practicals of how we actually maybe integrate, begin to integrate Sabbath practice into our lives. And again, this isn't a list of do's and don'ts and how to. If we start worrying about how to do it, then we're missing the point. Stop, rest, and delight in God and let Him delight in you. All right, thank you for your attention. I'm going to invite you to stand. We'll close in prayer and we'll pick this up again uh, probably in two weeks. God, as we, as we look at your word, as we think about um, the Sabbath, I pray that you would help us to begin to think differently about Sabbath maybe than we have in the past, um, that we would look at it as a gift that you give, a good gift, because you are good and you have our best interests in heart. You give us this Sabbath because you want us to be rejuvenated, you want us to give, a, give us rest, and you want us to give us joy and delight in life. The good things in life, all the good things in life are such a gift from you. And I pray that we would begin to grasp and to think about how that we actually slow down and live a life where we can actually connect and learn to sit with you on a regular basis. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So the Sabbath was made for man, so it seems like it's for your own good that we observe it. Thank you, Chris. Okay, let's end with uh, Salvation Belongs to Our God.